right. Part two. Are you guys ready? Okay, for those of you that weren't here, we, uh, this was two weeks ago because Pastor Brent and Amy did uh, had a wonderful message uh, um, answering some questions about marriage. And uh, and so I'm, I'm picking up here the, the journey of becoming a disciple. If you guys can't see it, it says part two right there. <laughs> it's a little, you'll have to, it's very fine, so you'll have to very look at the detail. So the last one, it's the same title, but um, but we're learning how to become a disciple, and we're looking at the second part of Matthew 5, verse 7 to 10. And the reason why, um, for those of you that weren't here, I split this in two was because uh, last time, I think I went for, I looked at it, I think it was like 40-some minutes, so I did pretty good. So, but if I did the other part, whew, we would have been here for a while, so you're welcome. (laughs) Just kidding. All right, so, uh, no, let's, let's go ahead and let's bow our heads, let's, let's invite God in and Ask him to speak to us. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that uh, we have your word available to us to speak to us. And we just thank you just that we can come before you, that we can know you and know who you are and know what it's like to become a disciple, a Christ follower. And God, you're not looking for those that are perfect. God, you're just looking for those that are um, dependent upon you, devoted to you, Lord. And would you just come and just speak to us today? Show us what it looks like to become a disciple. And help us to learn what that looks like and to apply that to our life. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. So we've been talking about attitudes. So actually this morning, it was pretty easy um, to get an attitude because there was a little bit of conflict with figuring out the soundboard. (laughs) So I don't know if you guys go through real stuff that's kind of frustrating, but we do here at Radiant Springs. uh, I think a lot of uh, things that in our life, uh, friction kind of reveals our humanity, you know, that we don't got it perfect here. Um, but I'm glad that God still chooses us. And so uh, just a word for you today. Um, I don't know if you have it all together, but that's okay. You don't have to have it all together because Christ has it all together and he still chooses you. And so, amen? Amen. So God, uh, um, back in our previous message, Jesus is speaking to uh, the audience here. Is They're probably poor. They probably, they were demon-possessed. They had illnesses, diseases that nobody could heal, okay? And then some of them were lame, paralyzed. And Jesus, he, we, he, he heals them. He says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent, okay? And he's speaking to this crowd, and he does all these miracles, and he's the king of the kingdom. And so he's talking about these beatitudes to these potential disciples that are following him. And he's, he's teaching us these attitudes that we are supposed to have the right attitudes to follow in his kingdom. Okay, the king is making his his decrees of, hey, this is how my kingdom works. You have to have this kind of attitude. And so um, when we look at these, it's kind of a, man, I love to be blessed by God, but it's kind of challenging sometimes because God's word, when, when it speaks to you, it's kind of challenging to accept it and to, to, to submit to it. Um, but we're going to pick up here. I'm going to go over our points that we went over last week. Not all of them. I'm just going to briefly sum them up, though. Um, so we talked about God blesses his disciples who are utterly dependent upon him, who are contrite, who are humble, who earnestly desire his standards. Just to help you understand, for those of you that weren't here or those that you were, just to bring it up to remembrance, utterly dependent upon him. I have a little girl, Ophelia, and she depends on us and Lizzie for everything, you know, because you can't do it for herself. I mean, if you're a parent, you understand that. So, and when you were a kid, you couldn't do it for yourself. Like your mom had to wipe your butt. So, um, 
you just had to just had to accept it and just let her take care of you or your your dad take care of you. So, okay, so that's pretty much what it is. And so when we hear Ophelia cry in the room, okay, it's usually when she, um, um, the example I want to use here is when she's waking up from her nap and she's like, Mom, Dad, I imagine that's what she's saying, but she's crying. Um, and so wh- what do we do? Well, of course we go and get her and then she's comforted by it. Okay, that's what kind of that second uh, verse that I, or second point that I talked about last, uh, two weeks ago. And then who are humble, okay? And so Ophelia knows that we're going to take care of her, our needs. And, you know, she trusts us clearly. And, um, and it's easy when you're following God to get comfortable and to kind of get big-headed, especially when you realize that what's available to you. And it's easy to get comfortable. And this, the next point is who are humble, and sometimes we need to remember our position that cr- we're not righteous because of anything that we've done, but we're righteous because of what Christ has done for us. And so we need to remember to be humble, to remember our position that we're his children, yes, but that's because of Jesus, amen, who's given these beatitudes. And, it, and the la- next one here is, uh, in, in the scriptures it says, who hungers, hungers and thirsts for righteousness. That word is, if you, if you define it, it's an injustice that was done to God's people. Well, the injustice that happened all the way at the beginning was what Satan did. He tricked his, God's people, God's special pr- uh, possession, uh, his prized possession, his, his kids, um, to fall into sin. And so God's saying, what are you hungry for? What are you thirsty for? Are, and my pl- point is, who are earnestly desire for his standards. That's the one that we went into last week. And so my question to you today is, are you still hungry to know God? Are you still hungry and thirsty for his standards, his true righteousness that he desires, his kingdom that he desires to give to you? And truthfully, we're all hungry or thirsty for something. We all go somewhere to fill up our tanks with food. Everyone has their own preferences, so... And th- that applies spiritually, too, okay? And so as we look at God's word here, you can turn your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, to Matthew 5, and we'll pick up in verse 7 here. The Bible says here, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I'm going to pause right there. Are you still hungry? Are you still thirsty? Me too. I want to know what God's all about. I want to know his kingdom. I wanna, I'm hungry to not just see miracles, but receive all that he has for me. And I believe you are too. But it's founded off of this. And this is very important that you see this. Merciful, you see that in the scripture. Blessed are the merciful. Now it looks like such a small, like if I, if I think about this in God's word, it's okay, merciful, forgiving, compassionate. Okay, merciful embraces this. The characteristics of being generous, forgiving others, having compassion for the suffering, and providing healing of every kind. And so when you're hearing this from Jesus, everywhere Jesus went, he desired to give mercy. But his other character is that he's holy and, and we're sinful. And so if we don't receive his mercy, then we will get his judgment. Okay. And let me give you another example here to help you understand what I'm saying here. Ophelia's learning <laughs> and we don't want her to grab the wires. <laughs> But she goes back to them, and we yell, I yell, not like super loud, come on, easy, easy, easy. I'm, st- I'm still learning here, but I, uh, I say no, and the tone is pretty firm, and she looks, oh, okay, 
And so she, but she does it every while, every while and, uh, again. And so, but I, in my heart, I don't want to do that to her because <laughs> she's my little girl. So, and, uh, I mean, for those of you that have kids, I mean, and maybe those that are, that have loved ones that are close to you, you don't want to treat them that way. You desire to, oh, I just want to love you. That's every day I want to come home and I just want to love her. How much more your heavenly father, how much more Jesus when he's saying, hey, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. God desires to give you his love, to show you all of who he is. All from the beginning of scripture, Jesus, who is Jesus? He's the word of God that became flesh. Matthew's talking about him and claiming that he's the Messiah, the Messiah King that God promised. He is the goodness and mercy that's following you all throughout scripture. He's the one that came to do undo the injustice that was done to you. He's the one that hears that, oh, I, I, I need you. I need you, Dad. I can't do this on my own. Oh, I, he's heard our cries. He's answering them. He's coming, and he came in a meek form. He came in a humble form, and he desired for God to restore righteousness, right standing with us. And the only way he was going to do it was by releasing his mercy. Amen? Come on, that is good. That is so good. Okay, so what does that mean for me? Well, Jesus is saying, hey, Think about how much I did. And this is what's going to help you to give mercy. Now, this is a touchy subject here because, Pastor Andy, you don't know what someone did to me. You're right. But I'm telling you here, if you understand what was done to Jesus and the cost that he paid and what he desires to give, this is what gives you the grace and the ability to extend this same kind of mercy. Amen. But Peter asks, how many times I got to forgive my brother? The tradition was, well, I'll just count how many times. Seven times, Jesus. So he's going to count for, oh, Marie, one, two, three. Oh, she's 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 at six. Oh, Aaron's he's at five. I got to forgive them. Okay, but if he gets to seven. So they're tallying everybody up. Okay. And he's worried. Peter's worried about his tallies of how many times he's going to forgive. And Jesus says, no, 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 not seven times. Not seven times, but seven times seven. What is he saying there? He's, he's not. He's looking at Peter and saying, it's not about how many times you're willing to forgive, but it's about how much I have forgiven you. So it's not about how many times you counting and, and, and forgiving people, but it's this. Let me give you an example to help you understand. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The king comes to his servant that owes a debt that, that he would not be able to pay off. It would take his lifetime and then some. You know who that is a picture of? You and me. And that's what sin cost. It would take this lifetime for you to pay off. And, and you're welcome to. But here's the deal. If you don't receive God's mercy, you receive his judgment. And so you can pay for your sin. But Christ says you don't have to. I'm merciful. I desire to give you mercy. And so, and we see that from this king who forgives this debtor who would not be able to pay it off. But if he, this is what happens if, if he doesn't choose to forgive here. He cries out for mercy, asks for forgiveness, asks for mercy. The one that couldn't pay it off. And the king, he, he releases mercy. But then he has a fellow servant 
And he doesn't treat him the same way. He comes to him and pay me what you owe. Pay me what you owe. He doesn't treat him the same way. He doesn't extend the same mercy. But the reason being is because he doesn't know truly how much the king has done for him. See, this is why it's so important to realize that do you realize that your sin, if you don't accept God's mercy and extend it, that means you and me, the reality is that we will spend our life in hell in pain forever. But Christ says, no, you don't have to do that. You can receive my mercy and see that I took everybody's sin in one cup, the cup of suffering it's called. I took God's wrath. I drank this cup. You don't have to do that. I desire to give my mercy to you so that way you're forgiven, that way you're free. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't see you where you're at and see that it's, it's hard. But what I am saying here is that it's important for us to see how God desires to give us mercy and how much he has done for us. That's what helps us to forgive those that have hurt us. And so my question is for you today, my first question is, do you desire God's forgiveness of sins? Did anybody desire that? Oh, I desire that every day because, man, like, like the picture you got today, we're just not perfect people. But God desires to be in relationship with us. He desires to restore true righteousness, right relationship. But the attitude that we have to have is who, we have to be compassionate. God blesses his disciples who are compassionate. And so that relates to forgiveness, but that relates to wh- wherever you go. And that's hard. Because <laughs> somebody rubs you the wrong way and you're like, man, God, you're just not seeing it how I'm seeing it, God. And, he, and you're, he's like, well, actually, I'm God, so I am. But you're not seeing it how I'm seeing it. See, it's like an argument between a little kid and his father. And he's like, you, you, don't, you just don't get me. Oh, oh, you don't think I get you? Okay, okay, well, you can throw your fit. That's fine. Oh, sorry, Dad. Do you desire God's forgiveness? He desires to give it to you. But all he's asking is, are you willing to extend forgiveness? Are there any people in your life that you need to forgive today? See, the waterfall continues to flow as you choose. What am I saying here? God desires for the water to fall of forgiveness and mercy on your life. But the moment you stop extending it to people is the moment he cuts it out. And you see that in, in as the unmerciful servant who was not forgiving, not merciful to his servant, he threw him in prison, threw him in jail. The other people find out about it. The king sees this, hears about this, that they were not merciful. And he says this, that unless you forgive my Heavenly Father will not forgive you. And so, like I said, if you want the waterfall to flow of God's mercy in your life, that it's new every single day, every single morning, that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all of your days. If you want those promises, Jesus is saying, hey, have this kind of attitude. Be compassionate. Amen? Let's continue here. Am I doing okay in time? <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go into our, beati- our next beatitude here. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, now it's important for us to understand to be merciful and to receive mercy. Because if we don't understand that previous uh, attitude, we're not going to understand this. Because pure in heart, when I read this at first, I'm like, well, I'm not really perfect, God. So I, I don't know what you're saying here. 
But when I was studying it here, it's what it means is a single-minded devotion to God that stems from an internal cleansing created by following Jesus. Those are big words there. <laughs> what it means is that your your devotion is constantly okay. I want to. I'm hungry and thirsty to know God. I'm hungry and thirsty to see Him. I'm hungry and thirsty to release his mercy, to to have the attitudes that he wants me to have, to have the standards that he wants me to have. My next point here is God blesses those who are full of integrity. Integrity doesn't mean you're perfect. But it means you're coming right back. Okay, God, you're the only one that can literally make me pure. Let me give you an example here, okay? Let me help you understand what I'm saying here. David says this, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear to, dis, uh, to swear deceitfully, he will receive a blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God of Jacob. What's David saying there? Well, the only one that can come before the Lord was, well, clearly from, from one who's received forgiveness because we, you and I weren't able to come before God. We got, Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden because of sin. So God had to release his mercy, but the way he was going to do it was through Jesus. And so that's, see, that's why I'm saying it's important that you understand it's not because of your purity or not because of your integrity that you can come and see God. That's why it's so important to understand it's God's mercy that allows you to come before him. Okay, but when you have this kind of an attitude that I want to be full of, of integrity, I want to understand God's standard, what, what, he, what he wants me to, what kind of attitude he wants me to have. But that's kind of hard, Andy, because Jesus says your heart is a reflection of who you are. Jesus says out of the heart, a man comes evil. Adultery, lust, murder, all evil things. So how can I be pure? How can I be full of integrity? Well, some of us think that we need have bad habits that we need to be broken, but we don't just have bad habits that need to be broken. More importantly, we have dirty hearts that need to be purified. But see, how did Jesus come? To a dirty manger. A mess. And that's where he desired to dwell, his presence with us. That's where he desired to show his mercy to the people that were overlooked, that were broken, that were hurting, that didn't have it all together. All God is looking for, hate what God hates and love what God loves. But in order for us to do that, we have to be purified by God and his word. Well, how do you do that? You can go to my uh, next slide here so I can show you. Um, Has anybody ever seen gold before it's refined? This is kind of what it looks like. Does that look pure? Full of integrity? Looks the same everywhere? (laughs) No, that's a picture of you and me. See, there's beauty in it, but there's also mess and dirtiness in it. See, this is how we are, but, but God desires to do a work in us. Go to our next slide here. To look like this. But that's what it's called is it's called a refining process. And if you know how gold is refined, it's a very intricate process. I was watching videos and I was like, okay, we can't do all that. We can't share all that. I'm going to lose people here. (laughs) But what I'm saying here is 
there's a lot of friction. There's a lot of process that goes on, intricate work in on this, okay? And so there's a refining process that has to happen. Titus says, Titus 3.5 says this, He saved us not because of works done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by washing of regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has to come in and make us pure and make us holy and make us like him. But the only way he does that is he allows something, some friction to come up in our life. Because what, what does the friction and the refining process do in gold? Well, it brings up the impurities. And then you've got to be honest with yourself and be honest with God. This is what I struggle with, God. I, I don't want to. I want to be full of integrity. But this is where I'm at. And I, but I desire you for you to cleanse me, to refine me to make me look like this. But I know I can't do this on my own. I see where I'm at. But see, the beautiful thing about it is we see in our last picture here, that's where we're at. But God sees us already as this. He already sees what he's going to do in us and through us if we allow him. Because we were made to shine. And if you know what gold after that, gold is used for beautiful uses there's so many multiple purpose uses but um of it so and so jesus is not looking for behavior modification here he's looking for complete transformation that's i mean if you look at those both those pictures those are that's a transformed rock that's a beautiful refined rock and the and it's important because the pharisees he said this to the pharisees what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you pharisees hypocrites for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup the dish but Inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will become clean too. See, this is what I'm saying. It's not a matter of just changing your behaviors. It's a matter of God working in your heart for you to desire his standards. Okay, You have to allow him to walk you through that process of refining you. Amen? Because then he says the outside will become clean too. If you allow him to work in your heart, he'll help you. To show you who he is. And when you see who God is, man, you can't not be changed. Romans 2, 4 says it's his unfailing kindness or it's his mercy that brings me to a change in my mind, heart, and direction. But here's the deal. I've been conformed to this world because I've been born in this world. And so God wants me to be changed and transformed. But the only way I do it is by God allowing me to take me through a, uh, a refining process. So if you desire, God blesses those who are full of integrity. My question I, I, I want to leave with you for that is, are there areas of your life where you're allowing sin to influence you? That's a, that's a tough question there. That's a hard question to chew on. I know because I've been in the place where I would say, yeah. I would say, yep. And I didn't want to confess it. But First John 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And purify us from all unrighteousness. The first step is just confessing. Just confess your sins. Confess where you're at. Be honest right where God is speaking to you right now. Because he, here's the deal. He desires to give you mercy, but he desires for you to know who he is. Because when you know who he is, you're going to shine bright like this gold. And you're going to show this world that needs to see mercy. Come on. We're in such division right now. We need, we need people to show God his mercy. To show how pure and innocent God is. And see, here's the deal. The world stains you. But God wants to restore your innocence. And how he sees you. You're his children. Amen? Let's go to our next point here. Blessed are those who 
are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Peacemaker. Whew. I don't want to be one of those right now. <laughs> I didn't say peacekeeper. I said peacemaker. That doesn't mean you're a pushover. It means you are trying to strive to make peace with people. And that is hard. Because you can say something and they'll take it a whole different way. And you'll, oh, what, were you, what were you really saying about me? Like I could say something to my wife and she'd be like, well, what are you saying about me? Really? Tell me. Be honest. Uh, that's not what I meant. I, I just want to keep peace in home. Um, but you get what I'm saying here. Come on. You can, you can think of a person that you don't have peace with, but God is telling us to make peace because here's the deal. When you're a peacemaker, you understand your identity. You understand who you are. You're not just sons of God, but in other in, uh, translations, it says children of God. And so my point here is who are ambassadors of reconciliation. What an ambassador is, is representative. It's representative of, of, of who Jesus is. Who was Jesus? Well, he was a peacemaker. He didn't keep the peace. Come on. There are people that were trying to trick him in his steps. And, and Jesus also says this, too. He's like, hey, I didn't come to make peace. I came to bring a sword. I'm confused now, Jesus. Because Peter cut this dude's ear off, and you said not to do that, but you brought a sword. What are you saying, Jesus? And you want me to be a peacemaker? You're the king? You're the Messiah? I'm lost. What are you talking about, Jesus? What are you trying to say through your word? Sometimes when you're trying to reconcile people with God, when you're trying to help them see who he is, because that's the ultimate goal, reconciling them with seeing what God is seeing. Bringing, lead, love, and connect them back to God. That's what Jesus did for you and me. So when we think about reconciliation and making peace, it should, our motive should be to make reconciliation, their, their hearts with God. I'm not siding, oh, well, I'm going to side with my brother against his wife because he's my brother. No, I'm siding with God. doesn't matter what relationship because God has called me. He's given me a ministry of reconciliation, Paul says. He's given me the responsibility to, to make peace. So what does that mean? Some uncomfortable conversations. Or, you know what, I, I don't agree with you. And it's not because I, I, I don't like you, but it's because I do like you and I love you. And I'm willing to have this hard conversation with you, to be honest with you, to help you see what God's seeing. Because that's the most beautiful thing. When you see God, it is so pure. Come on, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Is that a... A famous thing to do nowadays or in our culture to make peace? Mm-mm. That's actually not. And that's actually pretty challenging, too, because you're like, well, Pastor Andy, do you know what that person did to me? I don't want to make peace with them. Well, you better go back to that other point that we talked about, about mercy. I'll let you deal with that with the Father. <laughs> that's between you two. But um, let me give you an example here. Joseph. Joseph betrayed by his own bl- blood. Half siblings, but still, blood. Okay, same dad. <laughs> he was the favorite. Betrayed by his brothers. Sold into slavery. Been, went through a hard time through all of his life. Okay, but God was always with him. Was showing him his mercy. Showing him who he was. God was always with him. And so now Joseph is, Joseph is in this position of power. He's second in command of all of Egypt. And now look what his brothers are doing. They're coming to Joseph and begging, hey, we don't have any food because there's a famine. Um, can you give us some? What do you think Joseph's thinking? He's got power now. Man, he's the youngest brother. Oh, I'm going to give it to them. 
If you let me, God, I'll give it to them. But Joseph had to remember his position, who got him there, who was with him. Joseph is a great representation of what peacemaking looks like, but that doesn't mean it was easy. Because I believe Joseph wrestled with, this, with, with, with his encounters with his brother. Every time he saw his brothers. But he saw, see, he saw who God was and what God did in his brother's life too. And Judah who betrayed him. Because Judah, like I told you in the previous message, Judah who sold him as a slave. Benjamin is Joseph's brother. And Joseph's like, I want Benjamin. And they don't know Joseph's Joseph, his brother. And Judah's like, no, you can't take him. You got to take me first. And Joseph's thrown off by it because he sees God. And see, that's why it's so important to understand that previous verse that, hey, I have to allow God to continue to make me pure in heart because I'm going to see him in every area of my life. When he wants me to make peace with somebody, I'm going to see God in this moment that even though it doesn't feel like I'm going to see God because this is a hard moment to make peace with my brother or my sister that has betrayed me. Man, the Bible describes that Joseph saw God through, I mean, he went and wept. He walked away because he couldn't even handle himself. After Jacob had died, Joseph's brothers didn't know what was going to happen to them. He's like, oh, shoot, our, our brothers got it out for us. We're dead. We're your slaves, Joseph. Joseph said this. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he assured them and spoke kindly to them. So my question to you is, do you see the cost that God paid to make peace between you and God? Excuse me, sorry. Do you see the cost God make, made, he paid to make be- peace between you and him? Do you understand that he was sweating blood? He was literally sweating blood. That's hard to understand. I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I understand what that kind of feels like. All of the world's sin on him because he wanted to make peace even for those people that put him on the cross. Do you realize what God did? Do you realize that God has given you responsibility, a ministry for you to be faithful with? That ministry is a peacemaker, ambassadors of reconciliation. Are you being faithful to represent and reflect his heart to the people he has placed in your life? Are you making the best use of every opportunity to reconcile others with God and be reconciled to others? See, reconciliation Making peace isn't just a one-way between me and God. Because then you hear God say, well, what about your brothers and sisters that have wronged you? Are you striving to make peace with everyone, if possible? If possible. I'm not saying it's always possible. Because some people aren't willing to, to do that. And that's okay. But as long as you are. Let's go to my next point here really quickly here. Blessed are the... are. Those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. My point here is who are loyal, who are devoted no matter the cost. Do you know it costs you everything to follow Jesus? Do you realize that? That's what he requires. That's what he calls you. 
take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. His disciples, what did they all do? They gave everything and followed him because they trusted him, not only as their Savior, but as their Lord. And so my question to you is, are you devoted no matter the cost? Are you loyal when God's doing miracles in your life? It's easy to follow God when you see him showing up. It's hard when you're like, I don't see God making peace or helping me to make peace with my brothers and sisters. Oh, I don't see God when um, I'm all alone and people are mocking me, lying about me, making fun of me. I, I, I don't know if that happens to you, but this, see, this is here's the deal. If you are choosing to be a disciple, a follower of Christ, are you still hungry for that injustice to be done right? Are you still hungry to follow Jesus? Because here's the deal. Jesus says, hey, if you are, it's going to be worth all of it, but it's going to cost all of it, all of you. And you're going to have to be willing to go through pain. Maybe not a cross necessarily. But you have to be persecuted for what you believed. And, and so what I want you to see here is, and when Jesus is saying this, he's able to say this because the cost never outweighed the reward. I'll say that again. The cost never outweighed the reward. All throughout Scripture, we see Jesus trying to release his mercy, mercy so that way we could be restored with the Father. And Jesus says, hey, you're blessed when people persecute you. You're blessed for being devoted to me no matter the cost. And here's the deal. Kingdom of heaven is yours. Jesus is able to say this because the Father already says this to Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust that you're going to do what I willed you, what I planned and purposed you to do. And Jesus would go on to do that. And here's the, here, do you know, what, what is Jesus' reward? Well, yes, in the highest name above all, everybody would worship him and know that he's Lord and that He's our Savior. But even more than that. So that way you know the Father's love. I'll say that again. So that way you know the Father's love. So when he thought of sin, and he's wrestling with that cup at the Garden of Gethsemane, and he doesn't want to do it, I'll do it. This is hard. This is hard to endure as a man. But I'm going to do it. I don't want to, Father, but I'm going to do it. Your will, not mine, because he's devoted no matter the cost, because he realizes this is the only way you can get to heaven and I can get to heaven. Not only that, but I, that's the only way that he can restore righteousness and have a right relationship with God. I'm going to be honest with you. It doesn't matter what you do. It's going to cost you something. The difference between following God and not is it's worth following God. Because there's a reward in it. Anything else other than that, there's, there's consequences in it. And so I hope you see that Jesus, he desired a relationship with you. God desired a relationship with you. So he was willing to walk through all of that. Are you? This is Jesus' reward. Let me give you an example here. He tells his disciples this. In my father, there are many rooms. In my father's house, there are many rooms. Don't let your heart be troubled. This is about before he's about to go to the cross. He's already predicted who's going to betray him. <laughs> and he says there's still room. He's still able to say this. You believe in God, believe in me as well. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would have I told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you to my presence so that you will 
also be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. What was Jesus saying that we're all looking for? See, all throughout my life, I was looking for a place where I could fit in, a place I could call home. And I did a lot of things, did drugs, did alcohol, did partying, because I thought that, oh, I fit in with this crowd maybe, or I fit in with this crowd. Or when I was in middle school in that weird stage of life, I was like, well, I'm kind of cool with the nerds, but I'm, I'm a jock too, so I'm kind of, I don't know where I fit in. So that's kind of how I felt all my life. But here's the deal. Jesus gave me my answer. Home wasn't anywhere necessarily where I was looking, but it was always with him and the reward that he had planned for me. Because this was never home. This was never home. And so for some of you, maybe, maybe you've pr- been trying to look for a place where you can call home, where you can come home and just be yourself. And you've heard Jesus knock on the door, knock on the door, knock on the door. Hey, hey, will you let me in? I want to show you what home looks like. I want to show you what life looks like. It doesn't have to be, everything that you do doesn't have to be in vain. I want to show you my love for you. I want to show you my mercy. I want to show you how to be a peacemaker. I want to show you how to be pure in heart. I want to show you all of who I am. Because that's what he says, my kingdom is yours. But the attitude that you have to have in this is being devoted no matter the cost. What helps us to have this kind of attitude is seeing what Jesus has done for us. For some of you, maybe you've been following Jesus. Has anybody ever heard that song, Weary Traveler, on the radio? Man, I've been getting annoyed with that, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good, because I, I deliver for FedEx. I've been getting annoyed with it because I'm like, dude, this, they play the song all the time. I'm like, I love Jesus and everything. I like the song. I mean, he's good, but, and I don't have that talent, but I'm like, I'm getting weary of this song. <laughs> no, but it has a good truth in it because sometimes it's wearisome in following God. And living for righteousness sake. It's kind of hard sometimes. But are you still devoted no matter the cost? You know what will help you? Look at Jesus' life. Look that he looked and he thought that the cost never outweighed the reward. And he wants you to see that. So that way he can show you that his delight is people that are lost, that are now found. And he's put you and spread you out everywhere to be a light. And so my encouragement to you, consider it pure joy when you encounter many kinds of trials because you know that your faith, your testing of your faith is developing a perseverance. Allow that perseverance to finish its work and be mature and complete and not lacking anything. That's my encouragement to you. If you've been following it, I get it. Man, this couple, these past couple years have been hard. They've been difficult. If I can have the worship team come at this time. They've been challenging. I encourage you, keep doing good. Don't give up. Because there's a reward in it. And the most important reward is knowing God, having his mercy. That's why you're here today. That's why I'm here today. Because you see... <laughs> We got some bugs that we got to fix. We don't got it all perfect, but here's the deal. God still chooses you. And for those of you, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're watching online. 
Maybe you've never accepted Jesus, but like I said, you hear him knocking at the door. You've heard him knocking at the door. And actually, the visual that I thought of when I, when I was thinking about this, I don't know if you guys saw the moon the past couple nights. Super bright in a dark place. It was like a light bulb turned on. And it's shining right into our room. And I told Lizzie, hey, oh, that light is like literally shining through the blinds. Like I could see it. Like it's like in my eyeball. I can't sleep. I think that's what God's been doing in some of your lives that maybe he's been trying to get your attention and you've been in a dark room alone. You've been trying to shut him out. And I told Lizzie, open that up. Lizzie said she could see my face bright as day. (laughs) That's what God's been waiting for, to see you, to show you that he's there. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you never accepted Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, but you want to do that today with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if everybody can join in and pray this with us as an encouragement and as a celebration to what God's doing in the life of his people, that he's releasing mercy right now. Could everybody pray this with me? Dear God, please forgive us of our sins. Thank you for showing us your mercy, for being our Lord, for being our Savior, for being everything we need. We believe in you, Jesus, and we surrender everything to you. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name.